Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, let's go straight down to the business then. On December 25th, Russian senators approved a law that allows for ordinary citizens and informal organizations, ones that are not registered as legal entities, to be deemed foreign agents, if they are involved in political activity in Russia and receive assistance from abroad. For example... If I was in Russia, not in Latvia, and you'd be a Patreon supporter of mine, which I implored you, please do become, this has been a tough year for me, and, well, due to COVID, life's not getting any easier, but that's a side note here. Uh, the main thing is that if you even receive a single dollar from PayPal to a Russian account, even a faked one, set up to you by FSB, like, uh, you can be deemed a foreign agent. And that involves some interesting donations. We'll get to that with Navalny's part, obviously. But, yeah, this is kind of a bizarre thing. Because, you see, the new law refers to more than just financial assistance and offers a broad interpretation of what constitutes, what even is, political activity. What's more, potential foreign agents are responsible for registering their status themselves and... Under yet another law, failure to do so can threaten not only a fine, but also up to five years, real years, in prison, not just suspended sentence. Now all that's left is for, well, our good old buddy Vovochka, ah, Mr. Putin, I love you so much, to sign these new measures into law. Which, well, he will. He, He definitely will. I mean, there's no even talking about that. You know, when you talk about police violence in your own country or, or, or some issues that you might have, always remember that um, I'm on the eastern border and things, well, I'm going to visit Russia at some point and things surely are not what they used to be, say, 10, maybe 15 years ago. It's getting weirder and weirder. You see, first part, fact number one, almost any... Russian citizen can be labeled as a foreign agent, I found. The concept of recognizing individuals as foreign agents appeared in Russia's legislation at the end of 2019. At the time, it was decided that they 
quote-unquote foreign agent media label could be applied not only to mass media outlets, but also to individual people who post information online. <clears throat> Eastern border. <clears throat> Eastern border. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I had a cough here, sorry. And receive income from abroad, regardless of what they're actually being paid for. <coughs> Eastern border. Um, yeah. Which is um, fun. Fun stuff. Another cough. I'm really sorry. Those who distribute information from media outlets recognized as foreign agents can also be deemed foreign agents themselves. And the Russian Justice Ministry will include these people on its list of foreign agents. Which means that if I have ever helped some of my Russian listeners dealing with their issues, they're now foreign agents and I'm a foreign agent as well because it's all just fun and games. Under the new law... There are broader grounds for considering a person or organization a foreign agent, encompassing any engagement in quote-unquote political activities on Russian soil that are the interests of a foreign source. And the new law lists foreign sources as follows. Quote, foreign states, government bodies of foreign states, foreign organizations, international organizations, foreign nationals, woo, go Kristaps, I'm a foreign source here. And stateless persons. The law's definition of political activity is extremely broad. In particular, it includes election monitoring, social media posts about Russian politics, and taking part in rallies. Now imagine me going to Belarus to take part in their rallies and reporting from them, and uh, yeah, that alone would be enough for, for this law to kick in. While being deemed a foreign agent for these activities does require, quote, support from abroad, this no longer just means foreign funding. According to the new law, other organizational and methodological assistance is also incriminating. Moreover, it is not just assistance from foreign sources that is problematic, but also from their intermediaries, Russian citizens and organizations acting in the interests of foreign sources. For example, a person working as an election monitor who receives reading materials from an organization labeled as a foreign agent, has put themselves on a direct track to the foreign agent registry. Same goes for everyone who takes part in a demonstration organized by a foreign agent, and as we now know, literally everyone can be a foreign agent, and obviously, in this way, one foreign agent can lead to another, and then we will have the country where Putin and his oligarchs are true Russians, and everyone else is nothing but a foreign agent. In addition, a person could also end up on the foreign agent list for collecting information about Russia's military and military technical activities that a foreign source could potentially use against the security of the Russian Federation. Um, which also probably involves me. And I mean, I don't know. As I see this law and I, uh, as I interpret it, I think that my listeners in Russia... Yeah, you guys, basically all of you, foreign agents, definitely. Most importantly, a person who could be considered a foreign agent for any of these reasons is expected to declare their agent status to the Justice Ministry by themselves. After that, they are expected to report on their activities, including spending on foreign funds, at least once every six months. Moreover, they have to indicate their foreign agent status on any and all materials they distribute. Which is, well, also a fun little thing. Fact number two. Failure to register as a foreign agent 
also threatens fines and even real jail time. In the corresponding amendments to the administrative code, a potential foreign agent who fails to declare their status themselves could be fined between 30,000 and 50,000 rubles, which is somewhere between 400 to 700 United States dollars as of today's exchange rate. Moreover, if the corresponding amendments to the criminal code are actually adopted, and they will be, a foreign agent who fails to report their status after receiving such a fine risks up to five years in prison. Meanwhile, a person involved in collecting information on Russia's military activities who fails to declare themselves as a potential foreign agent could face criminal liability immediately. In other words, you're better off declaring yourself a foreign agent than risking your money and potentially your freedom, but that also means that if you're a foreign agent, then everyone whom you work with are also foreign agents, so everyone's a foreign agent. I mean, seriously, like literally everyone's a foreign agent at this point. A similar rule applies for filing reports on a foreign agent's activities. Failing to indicate one's foreign agent status threatens a bit lighter punishment, fines ranging from 10,000 to 30,000 rubles, which is about 150 to 400 dollars. However, let's remember that, well, Putin himself declared that the middle class, the middle class, not the lower class or something, but the middle class of Russia are people who make 17,000 rubles per month, which would constitute about 150 dollars. That's Putin's exact words. So, you know, it's not just a random slap on a wrist, which, you know, $150 would be for Americans. It's literally their whole monthly salary if we're talking about, a well, someone who's not particularly wealthy and lives not in Moscow, but in, well, some of the other regions of Russia, which is a, well, pretty, pretty big penalty. Uh, besides all this, foreign agents will also be banned from taking up positions in local government and state agencies. Fact number three. The exceptions are few and far between. Only foreign diplomats and foreign journalists are not expected to declare themselves foreign agents, though the Justice Ministry has the right to expand the list of exceptions. And who exactly are these foreign journalists? Well, doesn't include me. What's going on? That remains unclear. See, the new law does not provide an exact definition. Russia's law on media contains an article on foreign correspondents that defines them as journalists accredited by the Foreign Affairs Ministry without specifying that this is restricted to foreign nationals. That said, it's possible that the reference to foreign journalists in the new foreign agents law will only apply to foreign citizens, but who knows? Like, if my friends at Medusa send some guys there and they're Russians and they work in Russia, but they report back to, you know, Riga-based Medusa, they also might might just become foreign journalists. And this is kind of um, crazy, because, yeah, like I said, they, um, the new law allows for these foreign journalists to be added to the list of foreign agents if the Justice Ministry deems them responsible for doing something, quote-unquote, incompatible with the professional activities of a journalist. And, of course, there is no mention of what exactly would be such a professional activity of a journalist. Fact number four. Shedding the foreign agent label will be extremely difficult. If a person wants to get rid of their foreign agent status, they will have to submit an application to the Russian Justice Ministry. Before that, they will have to stop engaging in quote-unquote political activities, stop collecting information on the military, and stop receiving foreign support. 
The Justice Ministry is supposed to review these applications within 60 days and then remove a person or organization in question from the corresponding registry or offer a reasoned refusal. If you disagree with the Justice Ministry's position, you have the nice little option to, of course, challenge them in court, but we all know how that's going to end up. Now, to quote my colleague and a person whom I've learned a lot, um, Alexander Nevzorov, a journalist that I recommend everyone who speaks Russian to listen to, he said that there's a lot of disagreements and misunderstandings about this law. For example, well, where can you apply for this uh, foreign agent status? If you're suddenly being removed from the foreign agent status, can you defend that in court? And secondly, is there a line? And, and do you have to pay for it? Because, well, he mockingly obviously stated that at this rate, not being a foreign agent is going to be a sign of, well, stupidity and deep disrespect among the intellectual societies in St. Petersburg and Moscow, because by these rules, eventually everyone is going to add up and become such a foreign agent, which is just, well, in a weirdly weird statement, interesting. The one and the, uh, the only piece of relatively good news here, however, is that the new law introduces fines for failing to mention the status of a foreign agent. In the original version of the bill, it sounded as though, theoretically, one could face fines for wishing a foreign agent Happy New Year on Facebook without an appropriate disclaimer. The final version of the bill has specified that this rule only applies to mass media, so on top of the fact that the Russian press is expected to indicate when an organization is recognized as extremist in Russia, that is why whenever someone mentions ISIS in Russian news or whatever, then they have to state that it's an organization forbidden in Russia. I'm pretty sure that soon if they're going to start mentioning uh, United States presidents or European Union, it's going to be an organization forbidden in Russia status still. I mean... Why not? We're ending up in a farcical situation, and this, like, like I said, COVID? COVID's taking a back seat here, guys. Democracy's literally being killed, and no one cares, and I have a good feeling, and I'm a bit happy about, like, you know, all the fact that Biden might do some good with the sanctions, and I'm not even gonna get into the internal policies. It's not on my beeswax. But, um, but yeah, the sanctions and everything might, might, might do some good. Might do some good, I think, really. In addition, NGOs labeled foreign agents have been allowed to nominate their candidates for public councils under federal government agencies. There is no bill deprived them of this bill. And there's a little update on this because, you know, as I originally wrote this and I spoke with people who do so well, this was the original text, but apparently on Monday, December the 28th, the Russian Justice Ministry added five individuals to foreign agent media. And... Boy, how surprising this list is, and by that I mean I want to cry the corner and get myself extremely drunk, because, you know, it's fun to see when, when people who you've gotten information from and whom you consider your professional colleagues, and and in one case even a friend, it's, um, yeah, the, the oppression just, just runs a nice little way. And, and it's like human rights defender Lev Ponomarev, Radio Svoboda journalist Ludmila Savitskaya and Sergei Makrelov, Pskovskaya Kubernia, editor-in-chief Denis Kamaligin, and St. Petersburg artist and activist Daria Apanhomich. This is the first time the Justice Ministry has recognized individual people as foreign agent media. Which is extra funny, because, come on, this is just, this is just silly. I mean, everyone's a Russian agent. You're a Russian agent because you listen to my show, and I'm a Russian agent because I make my show. We're all Russian agents. But you know who's the biggest Russian agent? And what I consider to be the number one case of the year? Navalny, of course. And the poisoning, too. 
Well, we're not going to recap all of that. That was literally last episode. And um, I wanted to get into some funny stories here and maybe maybe talk about some, some philosophical things. And before we go to Navalny, I'll, I'll probably do that now. Because this year has been a bit rough and COVID experience and personal life and me moving on with um, with some issues. But I'm trying to make my best episodes that I can. I want to give a special greeting and a happy shout out to Aneta. Please go check her out. Thanks to Dion and Nikitinko who drew that. So it posts her art. We still have to deal with Revolut, get her payments done, but we'll do that ASAP after the new year. That's on my list. Then I want to say thank you to Elina Braslinja, the person who's drawn our logo. Then to Mr. Anonymous, our QA guy who drew our uh, basically some of our backgrounds and, and who helped design the whole show and who, well, if, if you would believe his reviews, he hates everything I do with terrible passion because he's... I think the guy liked like three episodes of ours as being good. Yeah, maybe four. I'm not sure, but, but trust me, there's a little devil who's in the details and who's always in the background. And after every episode that I make, he's just sitting there and yelling at me about how literally everything that I made was, in fact, utter and total garbage. Fun part is that episodes he hits the most are usually the ones that get the best reviews, so it's also a fun experience. But yeah, before we get to Navarne, I, I would like to just wish you all a happy new year, and uh, raise your glasses for the fact that 2020 is finally over, and maybe, just, just maybe, we will get into something new and interesting next year, and this COVID crisis will end. For one, there are some people that I would like to get on my show and I've reached out to slowly, pushing myself. A lot of people have contacted me, other podcasters will have a bunch of new interviews. But I would like to reach out to Anton Petrov and Isaac Carter and John Michael Gaudier. They are all astronomical people, they're scientists and they're futurologists. And uh, who knows, who knows, maybe even if even PBS Spacetime guys will respond to me because I want to talk about the very specifics of Russian futurology. After I'm done with the last coach, which is the first thing I'm going to do in February, I finally read that book. It was super difficult. New to me having temperature and all this mess happening around me. But but yeah, Russian Alaska is going to finally finish with a, with a nice little episode. Then Stalin is going to finish, because, oh boy, I've been sitting on them for way too long. But what I want to do is, like, I want to make an episode about, like, the Russian futurism, the way how Russian space exploration, what was the driving force behind it, and what was the Russian-Soviet idea of this whole expanding universe. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit tired of talking about all the negatives Russia does or Soviet Union does and, and, and talk about more of the positive stuff that they did, because, in all honesty, despite all the human sacrifices and all, all the things that they did, wrong in the space exploration area at least i can say that those were like honest mistakes and and the fact that the soviet union did the whole space exploration thing right i mean i have nothing against scientists and astronauts and people involved in specifically korolev and all those guys russian cosmonautics was an excellent thing and uh, i i recently made those mir series and apparently they have turned out to be among the most loved ones and people really enjoyed them I'm going to do something more on that kind of front because I'm a bit tired of military things, but I want to get these people who do futurism and science news as a professional thing to get them tied in with, with how the Soviet Union saw the future and how the West saw it and maybe make a little comparison. And then, uh, then as we delve into the very deep technical aspects of the Mir space station, I kind of want to go through Russian military technology as well 
not in the sense of how oh, they conquered something and they were bad, but in kind of a more engineering things. Uh, please let us know if you'd be fascinated about that, because, you know, I would like to see a nice little comparison, because I, I, I lack information in this area, at least when it comes to American or European tanks, but I will definitely will want to make an episode where I look at direct comparison between the military armaments of, say, Soviet Union and, well, let's say 1970s, 1975, for example. That's kind of... Uh, just just after the Cuban Missile Crisis, but it's still good old Soviet Union, and it's under Brezhnev, and all the good stuff's happening versus the, the United States military capabilities at that time, and if I'm, if I'm correct at this, then the U.S. was still in, in Vietnam at that point or something. And I also want to look at, for example, the modern capabilities of EU, because, you know, I live here, versus what uh, Russia can bring, and, you know, kind of this analysis of, of what technology is available... Was the manpower, was the support facilities, how the army is organized, how it was organized, are there any differences between then and there? Because if you remember my first episodes, especially like the second and third one, like four years ago or something, they were all about the studies from the common Soviet service member who was talking about their experiences, right? And, and experiences are all nice, and I, wanna, and I have gotten way more of them, and I'll be getting more like Soviet press too next year. But I really would be very happy if I could just include some of this technical stuff into the future shows. That's what you have to look for, and, and yeah. I have to finish up this 2020. I guess this is 2020 part 2, because, oh boy, this recording is long, and it definitely, we're, gonna, we're, we're splitting it up into parts. No way, this is going to be one. It has been research intensive, it's probably hard on your ears, and kind of emotional for me as well. So, so we have to get to Navarney. At the same time, there's also this deep-seated thanks to all of you listeners and fellow podcasters and everyone who's helped me out. And uh, once more, by the way, I have to mention Red Africa, guys. From Sarajevo to Red Africa, if you ever need to travel to either Africa or the Balkans, go and check them out. They have been the kind guys after whom I made the Balkan episodes, and they truly are the best guys whom to contact with if you want to have a great trip. Yeah, also we've been included into, uh, I guess, in the number seven spot of uh, European history podcasts on one of the kind of the blogs, and the blog just keeps sending me things, and it's on Twitter somewhere. The thing is, why I don't want to mention it, it's kind of like I was super happy when we got included there, and we got the number seven spot, but on the other hand, those guys are like poking me with messages, and I don't know how to respond to that, so, well, look it up on Twitter. I am, uh, I've, I've chosen not to mention that on, on, on the feed, because if you're too annoying and start looking like a, well, professional podcast promoter from Bangladesh, which is, by the way, 90% of messages that I get on Facebook, then, uh, well, you know, email me a proper business mail and then we'll talk about all this situation. But if you've included me on the list, you shouldn't kind of be demanding that uh, I uh, specifically send people to you so that you can get that clicks. At least do it politely. That's, that's another option here. But, but just a bit, of a bit of a thing on the philosophical point. But okay... Okay, let's let's talk about the recent updates on Navalny, and um, I hope no one gets poisoned with Navichok. <laughs> and just to be sure, make sure that whatever you put in your tea is actual tea, and that you're, you know, safe with what you drink, because getting polonium... Getting polonium is not a Navichok anymore. Oh, that was a terrible pun. That was a terrible, terrible pun. Hey guys, Annette here. 
I hope you are enjoying our new episode of the Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, just before we get to Navalny, another thing that literally just happened, uh, breaking news. Russian advocacy group for victims of domestic violence was also just declared a foreign agent. Now, isn't that nice? It's the most amazing thing ever, because anyone who's um, doing anything for the well-being of actual human beings is a foreign agent. Quote, the anti-domestic violence advocacy group Nasili Unyet, or Node Violence, has been officially recognized as a foreign agent. The Russian Justice Ministry... And I would highly recommend to these people starting putting the middle name to the justice thing and air quotes there because people might get, you know, confused and they might even themselves be portrayed as a foreign agent because, you know, if you obviously lie, then, you know, you can't just be a Russian justice ministry without air quotes. Otherwise, people will, you know, just just make it blatant as, as, as these laws are. I mean, and they just announced it in a press release on Tuesday, December the 29th. And the response obviously was... Um, Mildly interesting, to put the least. The NGO's co-founder, Anna Rivina, wrote on Facebook in response to Justice Ministry's declaration, quote, I'll put it this way. We got hit 95% of the bill against violence and 5% for so-called LGBT propaganda. Which is interesting because that's literally a center against domestic violence and I don't really think they make any discussions. At the time of recording, Nasil Yunyet had yet to be added to the official registry of the organizations that the Russian so-called Justice Ministry considers foreign agents. And according to Pavel Chikov, the head of the rights group Agora, don't mistake him for the podcasting group Agora, by the way, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone on Agora shows. They, uh, I'm not a part of the network, but... For all cases and purposes, we're all best buddies with them. I mean, with Roy Field and everyone, and Podcastnik, and everyone who's in Agora, always welcome to visit my home, and whenever there is a podcasting convention, 
always hang out with the Agora guys. They're, they're the best. And uh, Nasil Yunyet will likely be added to the registry by the final end of 2020, which means probably today or tomorrow or something. And yeah, in mid-December, Nasil Yunyet's co-founder Andarivina reported that the Justice Ministry was planning to drop in on the organization for an unscheduled audit for its activities for the last two and a half years at the request of Mr. Trubetsky. The Justice Ministry explained that the person who filed the request didn't want to disclose their personal data, but, quote, didn't like the Shilunyet's business and finances. I mean, you don't like someone's business and finances, that's why you slap them with a foreign agent thing and just make sure they're considered terrible, terrible, evil people. I, I don't even know, guys. I just don't even know. Recently, during Christmas season... There was this orphanage in, in Russia where the local city council decided to do a celebration for the orphans. So they uh, lined them up and made a mock Mother's Day celebration, making all the orphans sing greetings to moms and all that whatnot. And one of the girls even who was there in the orphanage got hit with a panic attack because of how mentally damaging it was to her. I, I think at this point, you know, if you're a reasonable person there, then uh, you should get used to this. I mean... I think I reported on this, but at that point I probably thought, wow, what a horrid, horrid action it was. But, but if you think about it, if you really think about it and make some, make some conclusions out of all the situation, it's kind of like preparing you what's going to happen to you if you continue all this weirdness that's happening there and, and what's going to happen and what's going to go on because no one can truly be safe, to be honest. Well, at least they, they've canceled my visa so I don't accidentally go there, but like, there's this saying that the more despotic a government gets, the more idiotical their, uh, the government's laws get, but at this point, I'm even, I'm even out of words. Whatever did a group that stood against domestic violence ever did to you? Anything that isn't in the very strict things of very tiny little sliver of people which do not represent the majority of Russians, mind you. Majority of Russians are friendly people and nice and awesome guys, but this is just weird. But the main fact now, because... The biggest end of the year news, like I said at the beginning, was Navalny's poisoning, and then the fact that he called his own own guy, all the poisoning things, and all the massive jokes about the FSB, you know, just washing everyone's, everyone's underpants, and, and despite the fact that he was poisoned with a chemical nerve agent, and that happened in Russia, and he was a Russian citizen, and the fact that there is still no criminal case about it, because the Russian government states that uh, he either had diabetes, or that the, the other is poisoned him, and that it wasn't Navichok, or that it was Navichok, but we don't make it, or that we did make it, but uh, uh, no longer, or that Navalny poisoned himself as a provocation, or that the Western agents did it, and all these versions are uh, there at the same time. Not even kidding, they are all out there at the same time. The opposition figure, Alexander Navalny, has been adamant about his plans to return home. But now the Russian authorities have called him back to Moscow earlier than expected, which is just super silly. On Monday, December the 28th, Russia's Federal Penitentiary Service threatened to file a complaint against Navalny in court for violating the terms of his probation. <laughs> you sent him to Berlin, obviously! You poisoned him! You sent him to fucking Berlin! And he's violating his probation? He's, he's healing now. <laughs> Citing an article published by the doctors who treated him in Germany, the Russian authorities maintain that Navalny has long since recovered from his so-called illness as they position it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. And have demanded that he show up to a parole hearing in Moscow the first thing the next day. Guys, 
Guys, this is dumb. I mean, I'm stunned and... Uh, well, Navalny's lawyer warns that the opposition figure could end up in jail if his previous sentence is overturned. Navalny and his associates are drawing attention to the fact that this is the first time a branch of the Russian government has effectively acknowledged that he was poisoned. Which also has happened, to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, he was poisoned, technically, besides other ideas, but come home now! Come home now to face prison time or face prison time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll do a slow clap. Because this is the dumbest thing ever, but at this point, what am I even expecting? What are you expecting? That's why I want to focus on the Soviet era more. And, and uh, like, I'm just getting tired of, of the political stuff. I'll have, to, I'll have to do it. I'll have to do it if this insanity continues, obviously, because, you know, it's just too important. But I really want to talk about Soviet spaceship instead. Oh, my God, Soviet spaceship. The Moscow branch of Russia's Federal Penitentiary Service, FSIN, has threatened to go to court with a request to overturn the suspended sentence given to Navalny in the Yves Rocher case and have him serve real prison time. The FSIN stated that Navalny, who is currently in Germany, has failed to fulfill the conditions of his probation and is evading the department's oversight. Citing a recent case report on Navalny's treatment for Novichok-type nerve agent poisoning published by the doctors from Berlin's Charité Clinic in the scientific journal The Lancet, the FSIN underscored that Navalny had recovered from all the consequences of his illness by October the 12th. As such, the department concluded that the opposition figure may be deliberately evading their superstition. Now let me remind you that on December 22nd, the journal The Lancet published an article based on materials from the German Charité Clinic collected according to the results of the treatment of the, well, obviously, let me remind you this, Russian citizen Anatolievich Alexei Navalny. Based on this publication, Navalny was discharged from the Charité Clinic on September the 20th, and by October the 12th, all consequences of his illness had passed. As such, the conditionally sentenced person isn't fulfilling the duties assigned to him by the court and is evading the oversight of the prison inspectorate. And this is just one of the stupidest things ever. They have demanded that Navalny, who was previously mentioned, is still in Germany, appear for a parole hearing in Moscow at 9am uh, yesterday, which he obviously didn't do, which is the day before the end of his probation period, by the way. His probation ends as I record this, and they uh, just are just grabbing its straws so that put him in prison. And that's not all, because at the same time while this is happening, because you can't have Navalny exposing the weaknesses of the FSB guys doing crazy shenanigans and just proving that, well, all of the system is going insane. At the same time, the Russian investigative committee has launched a criminal case for large-scale fraud against Alexei Navalny as well, which is what RIA Novosti reported on Tuesday, December 29th. According to state investigators, Navalny collected more than $7.9 million worth of donations on behalf of his non-profit, the Anti-Corrupt Foundation, and a number of other organizations. Then, quote-unquote, allegedly acting with other persons, he spent more than $4.8 million of those dollars on acquiring personal property and material assets and paying expenses, including vacations abroad. Thus, the funds collected from citizens were stolen. The investigative committee concluded in a statement. Yeah, he used those, those funds, you know, to basically... Buy drones, film uh, the massive corruption to, to actually send me mails and, and allow me to talk about stuff. And I'm not even a fan of Navalny. Oh boy, no. We have a lot of disagreements in his political views and his, his statements about Georgia and Ukraine and how Crimea is not a sandwich to be instantly returned and what he talks about Donbass. All of that, all of that still hangs above his head and 
And if ever Navalny gets power, trust me, I will bash him with a stick on fire smeared with various fecal matter uh, expunged by various, uh, you know, grass eaters or something. Trust me, he will not get a pass from me. But in this given case, this is just stupid. I mean, and, and the obvious is that the result that they want to achieve out of all of this is to achieve the, the opposite result, that, you know, they don't want Navalny to come back to Russia. They want, the, they want him to stay in Germany, they want to discredit him as a complete, like, because he is a current opposition leader, and he is one of the people who might actually gain some political power. But right now, just the day before his probation ends, all this insanity at the very end of 2020 has reached its peak maximum. And I don't even know how, how it all is going to end. Yeah, yeah, COVID, COVID, what, COVID, schmovid, who cares, right? Because during, even during the COVID crisis, during everything, I believe we've, at the eastern border here, this is peak insanity, ladies and gentlemen. This is peak insanity, my dear comrades. We've gotten to a point where I don't even know. 2020 might have been rough and tumbly, but at least we had COVID, and we're still going to have it, and I don't know how that's going to end probably should compare it in one of the episodes to 1918 Spanish influenza, but but hey, that's why these two parts of 2020, which were supposed to be a recap, but I can't do a recap if, like, insanity is just falling on my head, are truly called the Mountains of Madness, and I highly recommend you read that tale of Lovecraftian fiction, because I really don't have anything else to say right now. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to Russia, I want to go there at some point, and I want everyone to just be at peace. And the more instability in Russia, and the more it goes crazy, the scarier it is, for example, for me. Stay here, and bring the news to you, and bring the funny stories to you, but the scarier the news, less second the stories. And I apologize for that. Let's hope for a better new year. До свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.